you freaking auto? This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. that. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Brock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports app, not to mention all those podcast platforms everywhere across the cosmos. Didn't do, didn't get any uh, physics last night with Cecily. Physics? I thought it was just all... Well, it's astrophysics, oh, Justin. wow. It's astrophysics. Wow. How old is she right now? 24. Sounds like it. Yeah, she's uh she just finished grad school. No, she's uh she's nine. It's astrophysics for kids, I told you. It's not like it's not full on like you know, force times mass equals acceleration or any of those formulas or anything. But when you when you read it and you start hearing protons and electrons and neutrons and all that, it's like it, it it definitely gets complicated in a hurry. So yeah, we we took a night off last night to kind of digest some of the material and uh I don't know. Also, I was busy watching the Mariners again. I didn't have time for uh, for reading about the Cosmos. They kept kept my interest, that's for sure. After, you know, admittedly shutting that game off on Sunday with disgust. I I, I mean, what are you going to do? They come back and played arguably their two best, most complete games of the entire season against a pretty good, you know, Miami team. It's still weird to call them Miami, but a pretty good right. Marlins team. Yeah, they're, they're, I was texting with a buddy last night. He was kind of a cat. He's like a P2 casual fan of the okay. Mariners. And he's like, how good are the Marlins? Just he's trying to get a, get a test for how excited he should be on that game. And I'm like, well, they're pretty good. They're yeah, they're top five in the NL, top four, maybe. They're probably not as they're good as their record, record shows. Exactly, I was going to say, and the run but, differentials, kind but of the odd, Mariners but. are probably better than their record exactly. show. So, I mean, like those things are starting to even out a little bit. Uh, not for everybody. Let me uh, I, I always like to read you guys some of the texts that I see the moment I sit down here at my computer in the morning. And uh, let me start with this one, which came in uh, pretty early, or I guess it came in uh, today. Salk, enjoy chugging your Kool-Aid today. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a follow-up from yesterday, which said, oh, my God, Salk, I can literally hear you pouring the Kool-Aid. Stop it. We're not drinking it. This is Sugar Mountain. And then today, enjoy chugging your Kool-Aid today. Wow. I don't know if I'm chugging Kool-Aid, that's for sure. I, I watched a game and commented on it, same as I always do. We'll go with one more. Hey, Mike, or maybe I'll call you Mike Heel. I'm guessing that's supposed to be Michael, but generally the A comes before the E in Michael, just for future reference. Today on my drive to work, I was listening to the end of yesterday's show on the podcast, and your exclusion of Mount Rainier made me furious. <laughs> the fans will be organizing... A reverse boycott, much like what we saw in Oakland last night. So we can maybe even have you removed from the show, the station, and possibly even the region. (laughs) Maybe if you spent a little less time watching dogs on Instagram, you would take a second to look outside and see this natural beauty for one. Be better. Be better. Signed, the 253. Who adds, the reverse boycott means we will be tuning into the show to show our distaste. I appreciate, appreciate that. Being there, yeah, yeah, that was controversial yesterday. And I, I know Brock kind of stormed off the show. We kind of had our, like, big sports, you know, uh, fight, right? You know, every every great sports duo has a fight, 
right? I was, mean, yeah, yesterday was a little Jerry Springer. I mean, I thought if he was being a little too dramatic for something. You thought he was overly dramatic. You thought he was phony. Yes. Well, Brock does do that. I mean, that's the thing. Like it, when he he does so, he does sort of go a little extra at times, and so he can he can be a little phony on the bit. But um, no, that was sort of our. We haven't spoken oh since uh, since he left the show yesterday, soon before uh, it ended, uh, in a rage over mountains ranked, which did not include Mount Rainier or Mount St. Helens, really. Those are mounts, and that's why. I mean, those are mounts. Thunder Mountain is a mountain. Yeah. Mount Rainier is a mount. I'm mad at myself for forgetting the band, the Mountain Goats. And I'm mad that we forgot uh, Joe Walsh's Rocky Mountain Way, which is quite frankly criminal. And and we should have, I mean, you want to reverse boycott the show, reverse boycott it for Joe Walsh. Yes. Guide your anger correctly. Right. We missed Rocky Mountain Way like, like a couple of noobs. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. All right. So are well, we drinking Kool-Aid today? Justin, are you drinking Kool-Aid today? I am drinking Kool-Aid today. How come? I, you know me, I'm prisoner of the moment. And when I see what I consider to be the biggest pieces of what you need to have go right for success, go right. Pour it in my mouth. Okay. So Justin's drinking the Kool-Aid. Mora, I know you're not on the mic, but grab that microphone over there. Can you hand the microphone to Mora? I need Mora's, Mora to weigh in on this. She's got her tough guy black leather jacket on today. So Mora's sort of like. This is pretty authoritative. She's very. She, Mora's the. Author- this morning. I know, but I, I when you wear your black leather jacket, it's like, all right, Mora's. <laughs> More is hardcore today. All right, well, don't get me started on no mountains being on your list of mountains ranked. Gonna, what was the question? More is going to be. <laughs> there's going to be Judas Priest stuff for Mora today in uh, in uh, ranked. Are you drinking Kool Aid this morning? Yeah, I guess I've been. Wow. I don't think I've been the most negative no? person, but I, I I have felt that this team hasn't shown us enough to believe that they could turn this corner yet. Like did, did I, I believe last, that it could happen. Are you starting to believe yes, that? I, I definitely think that, that it's encouraging because we're finally starting to see com- some consistency. I think that's all we needed to see in order to feel like, okay, th- we already knew this team was talented, but when you just see one step forward, two steps back constantly, there was no reason to be optimistic, in my opinion. This seems like w- agreed. This feels like one of the first times we've seen two steps forward. Yes, and maybe there'll be a step back because that's the way baseball works. But rather than going one step forward, two steps back, this is the opposite dance, right? Where you go two steps forward, one step back. I don't know. Look, I, are we drinking Kool Aid? Maybe, <laughs> maybe I am. Maybe it's Hawaiian Punch. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is we're uh, we're drinking today. Nothing but else. it's been fun the last couple of nights, right? Because. It was well, kind of depressing for a little while before that. It's been fun because the process has been better. The, the the approach has been better. And then the results have somewhat followed that. They've forced the pitcher out of the game early. They've taken more pitches. They've swung at fewer balls. They've, they've come up with a big hit in a big moment. They've been aggressive. They've been harder to play against. They've, they've obviously pitched well. They've done all of the things that they were actually built to do. That's the key. I got a great tweet from somebody last night. I think it was Jay Tust, who's uh, in Idaho, who said, uh, who had Jerry's quote about, uh, you know, we could sign prime Babe Ruth and it wouldn't do anything. And (laughs) his tweet was something like, Mike Ford walks in and says, what's going on, Jerry? I mean, (laughs) you got a guy who's going to hit two home runs a game. That'll certainly help your team. 
look in by Shaguar and the 1-0 pitch to Ford swinging a well hit ball again into the gap in right center field going and going he did it again Mike Ford with his second home run of the night holy smokes his fourth home run since coming up from triple A Tacoma it's now the Mariners nine and the Marlins three and what a night for Ford Ford crosses home plate on his way back to the dugout to get the trident one more time. Yep. Mike Ford, four home runs since being called up. Maybe they waited too long to bring the dude up because he was obviously raking down in AAA. Maybe he has figured something out. Who the heck knows? It happens. You know what you do with a guy like Mike Ford? Leave him right at the bottom of the lineup, play him against the good matchups, and take those contributions and be happy for a little while. And if over time he continues to do more, eventually you start to experiment with what it looks like if you move him up a little bit. But certainly what they needed is a little extra power. Cal Raleigh had some last night. He had some last night. We got to see Caballero kind of do his thing. Just an absolute menace. Last night on the base paths and everywhere else, that's a uh, that's a good game for the Mariners. Couple of couple of texts coming in. So hang on, really quickly. Yeah. Oh yeah, here comes Kool Aid. Here comes Kool Aid. Gonna save the day. There it is. There it is. Kool Aid man. Kool Aid man. With that over. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's some oh yeah. That was. We had that thing though. There's an oh yeah there. I like that. Uh, a couple of texts. They need like a deeper, cooler one later on, I think. Uh, let's see what we've got. Saul, keep digging. You're digging it even deeper. Uh, what else did I see here? Um, yay, World Series, here we come. I don't think anybody is saying that. Uh, no. The funniest thing about Brock's walkout yesterday was if you were watching on the video stream, his face was frozen with an outraged face, mouth open, angry, etc. Good. <laughs> As it, it should be forever. I hope he Slammed was outraged. Uh, Salk, are you saying that Mount Everest is not a mountain? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm calling out Everest. <laughs> okay. Now, if you want to, if you want to, if you Rock want, thought he had a hot take yesterday. I'm calling we, out we Mount Everest. That's a that's a hot. Take. If you if you want to accuse us of missing one, I will per I will hear arguments that we left out K two, not a mount. K two, I'll hear it. You want to come with K2? I'm willing to kind of cop to that and say that maybe we left out K2. You want to bring me Mount Everest? You want to bring me Mount Rainier, Mount St. Helens, whatever. Mount Hood, Mount Baker? It's mounts. You want to come with K2? I'll hear it. You bring me mounts? And I got absolutely no time for that. My Twitter was blowing up yesterday. You're starting mountain wars. Good. Then we didn't include the, we have to do the mounties. We're doing mounts. Or the mounties. Either one. We'll be right back with everything you need to know. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Are we finally, finally seeing the real Mariners for the second straight night? Everything came together. Pitching, defense, the offense, all in sync. He got a dominant outing from George Kirby. He was perfect into the fifth. Seemed to have a little extra juice on the fastball as well. Here comes his 0-2 to Cooper. Swing and a miss. He got him. Blows it by him in 95. Fire. His 10th strikeout setting a career high. Number 10 for the first time. George Kirby has been outstanding tonight. Just one run allowed. 
10 strikeouts against the Marlins. Yeah, that's a new career high for him. He was great, but also the runs came in bunches. Cal Raleigh hits a three-run home run. Mike Ford went deep twice, at least one of those times with men on. Caballero, a three-run triple, meaning somebody came up with a little bit of pop with the bases loaded. That's what you want. They were aggressive. They were successful on the base path. They were very good defensively. That's how you get to be difficult to play against, which was always the goal for this team. Uh, It certainly feels a little different um, just on the production we've had offensively from different parts of the lineup, everybody contributing. And um, it feels different in the clubhouse. I think the players understand that we needed to make some adjustments. We have. Um, We're starting to get the results from it. We've got to stay with it day after day after day, grind through it. And Again, I've brought this up before, but the exciting thing for me is we're getting – the pressure on the starting pitcher on the other team early in the game. You see the pitch count get up, and all of a sudden, look, it's fourth, fifth inning, and they're gone. And that's a really good sign. That's how we're typical. We're used to playing. You know, we get deep in counts. We take some walks. It's back-to-back nights, uh, you know, single-digit strikeouts by us. Uh, it doesn't sound like a big deal. It's a big deal. We're getting the ball in play. Uh, we're just having good at-bats up and down the lineup. Some baby steps in there, but yes, the approach has been better, and generally that will lead to some more success. Uh, they go for a sweep today or tonight. Luis Castillo, you get your ace on the hill to try to get it done. Here's the second thing you need to know. Congratulations to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. in Vegas. The Cubs going to stay in Vegas. And for the first time, the Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions. They got that horn. It took them six years. God, it doesn't even feel like it's been six years. I feel like it was yesterday that we were, I guess the pandemic took up time and all that. But if you would have asked me how long has it been since the Knights have debuted, I would have said four seasons max. It just doesn't seem like it's been that long. Pretty crazy. How great are hockey players? Did you see the Matthew Kachuk story yesterday? He didn't play. Couldn't play for Florida in game five. Why? He had a broken sternum. He had fractured it in game three. In game four, he had needed help to get his uniform on, but found a way to play. Finally, by game five, he couldn't take the pain anymore and wasn't able to go. No biggie, just a fractured sternum. I'll I'll catch you guys later. Hey, what do you make of Seattle not watching the NBA Finals? I saw this yesterday. Our media market ranked 53rd out of 56 television markets in terms of average NBA Finals viewership. That's not great. And it makes sense, right? Do I think that's going to affect the chances of a team coming here? Absolutely not. But it will be interesting to see what kind of the reaction the NBA gets after, you know, such a long and and obviously unwarranted hiatus. The Sonics were stolen. The league was complicit. And there are going to be some who will always be angry, maybe even angry enough not to watch if and when a team does return here to Seattle. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, the Seahawks rookies were busy yesterday, sort of. They were out canoeing on Lake Washington. And based on the look of some of their faces, I'm not sure how good a time they were having. Mike Morris spoke with Bob Condota afterwards. Never again. Never again. I need to see you. This dude right here. Panicking every twitching all the time. No, never again. Not with him. Never again. I guess you're not a water guy, huh? No, I like the water. I'm cool with the water. It's just it's just cold. I know the water's cold because I'm on the West Coast. Y'all ain't got warm water like in Florida. 
and I didn't want to get wet. And plus, people were twitching and stuff, and I wasn't really trying to get wet. So, uh-uh, never again. Why were they twitching? Who was twitching? You know? Uh, he pointed to a rookie that I didn't know. Okay. I thought he might have been an undrafted Some guy, undrafted but, guy. Typical uh, undrafted guys twitching. Meant, you saw some of the videos. They were just getting, the, like, when it started to wobble, the guys they were, were wobbling back. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, good for them. <laughs> good for them getting out on the getting out on the lake on the high seas. It was a good idea. on the high seas of Lake Washington. I'll tell you, there are days where you drive across five twenty or whatever. You're like, you look and you're like, man, one of the sides of here is really, really choppy, and then the other one is calm as glass. So strange how that goes down. All right, that's everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Uh, geez, I got so many texts this morning. 866-979-3776. Uh, Salk, you do net, do not get to be called Michael today. You are a buffoon. Uh, okay, that's fine. Uh, Salk, I wish I could say I was drinking the Kool-Aid. They've been playing better. However, their schedule between now and the All-Star game is pretty brutal. You could even say they have a tough mountain to climb. That's pretty good. Uh, Salk, 60 games in, not enough time to say they're bad. Two wins, and they've turned the corner. Typical Salk. All right, look, I'm not saying they've turned the corner, nor was I saying after 60 games that wasn't enough time to judge. All I'm saying is for the last week, they've had a better approach. It was one of the two games in San Diego two, maybe all three of the games in Anaheim and both games against Miami. They haven't all led to wins because that's happened. That happens in baseball. But if you're just watching the offense, they've had a better approach for the better part of a week now. Hopefully that continues. They say they've changed the messaging. They said after the messaging that they saw results and the approach got better. If that continues to happen, the narrative will change. We're not there yet. You got to do more than win one series against the Marlins, an overachieving team. You got to continue this with Chicago. You got to continue this after that on your road trip as you go through what New York and Baltimore. Absolutely. But if this approach continues and their pitching is what it's been and they you know, focus and play good defense, they're a better baseball team than they showed in the first part of the year. And thankfully, while they may have cost themselves the division, they haven't cost themselves the wild card yet. And until they have, going to continue to watch them as a competitive team that makes a decision before July 31st on which direction they're going to go. And as for that direction, we talked to Jeff Passan yesterday. He certainly had some thoughts. Stick around. You'll hear him next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, we missed him last week as he was entitled to a little vacation. Jeff Passan from ESPN joins us, though, every Tuesday at 830. And he's here with us right now. Hi, Jeff. Good morning. How was your vacation? Oh, it was glorious. (laughs) All right, Jeff, while you were gone, uh, we got to see the Mariners in all sorts of different levels of distress. (laughs) Yeah, they haven't been great. They got their oh butts goodness. handed to them by the Rangers right after I told you the Rangers weren't yeah. that good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been yeah. like a, a total disaster here. Here's the thing I wanted to ask about, though, and this is the word. That, I'll play you the sound, but Scott's used this word now a bunch, and I'll admit it. It's got me a little concerned. Here was Scott's service. This was not yesterday, but two days ago after they had lost to Anaheim. I'm frustrated by it. I think we all are. Uh, I think at times it's lack of focus. These are things that we have talked about and, and 
you know, it's really important not to give outs up on the bases. We have addressed it uh, multiple times, and, and lack of focus, we make mistakes at critical times, and um, you're not going to win. You're not going to win in this league doing that. I don't care how many hits you get or how many scoreless innings. You've got to play clean. You've got to make the plays defensively, run the bases really smart, heads up, uh, and be strategic about when you're taking chances. So we haven't done that. Obviously, the word focus is the one that jumped out to me. What do you hear there? I hear that this is a baseball team two and a half months into the season that is undisciplined. And you can tell that it's undisciplined uh, with strikeout rates. And you can tell that it's undisciplined with the base running. And uh, that's the sort of thing where if you are playing 600 ball, you look past and, and you chalk that up to aggressiveness. Um, but when you're playing under 500, uh, it, you just can't put nice words around it because it's a real thing. And I don't know that the Mariners are talented enough offensively to be making those sorts of mistakes and giving up base runners and giving up opportunities to score when scoring has proven so difficult for them to do. I won't ask you to define why with this team because you're not around it every day in the clubhouse. And even for those that are, like Shannon Dreyer, who joined us yesterday, I think for her to try to answer as to why, whether it's focus or undiscipline, but I want you to go back in your years of covering baseball, and this is not the first undisciplined team that you have seen. What is typically the culprit or culprits behind undisciplined teams? It's a tough one because the Seattle Mariners that I know and, and that I saw last year from the coaching staff are very process-oriented. And they do a really good job of communicating and of delivering expectations. Um, So, uh, again, because I'm not around them every day, like you said, it's tough for me to say whether the players are tuning out the coaching staff. I don't anticipate that that's the case, but with undisciplined teams in the past, that has been a common theme where, you know, as much as, uh, words are said, uh, they just do not permeate and they, they are not absorbed by the players. And it, there, there comes the point, Brock, where pride becomes the, the most seminal thing. Like, are you really going to be a team that has the starting pitching that you do? And because you can't keep your stuff together, on the offensive side, you're going to be doomed and destined to abject averageness because that's what the Seattle Mariners have been this season, right? They are just an average baseball team through the first 65 or so games. I mean, is there any other way to describe what they've been? Yeah, average, mediocre, un, yeah, unfocused, inconsistent. I mean, I think underperforming, all, all going from ninety four percent playoff odds to six percent playoff odds as we sit here. You know, according to those odds makers. May, may I? Yeah, may I? May don't, I just? You know, say this? don't do that, um, Brock. Look at him. He took the yeah. bait. You are just beating him. No, no, no. That I thought maybe a week right. at Kawhi down at Poipu, he wouldn't take no, the bait. No, you just got to. rid of all no, of the relaxation no, he no. had found. You're, 
Here he goes. No, you're not. You're, uh, I, I was going to say, do you, do you want me to? I mean, I've done it before. Do you really want me to? Because I'd nope. be happy to. Nah. You sure? No, nah, Salk ranted you're about gonna, it last hour. I already, so, I already you're ranted gonna, about you're it gonna, today. You're going you're gonna, you're gonna to put, put the carrot out there and then yep. snap Which is worse, Jeff? I'll ask you this. Which is worse? Playoff yeah, odds that change? Playoff oh. odds or, or, or those in-game Yes, in-game odds. odds. Which do you hate more? Oh, man. I think it's an easy answer. Oh, man. Um, I think playoff odds are worse. No, the in-game odds are the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of why in-game odds could be worse than playoff odds, which are talking about who's going to make the playoffs Six months before the freaking playoffs even slightly. Oh, okay. Sorry. You got me, Brock. Congratulations. I did. I mean, yep. you're welcome. So, so Jeff, yeah. just to bring it back here to, to reality and the Mariners and why they've struggled and why they've been inconsistent and messaging and all of that, uh, we, we spent a while here trying to figure out why their philosophy, control the zone, dominate the zone, however you want to phrase it, has worked so well for pitchers and has not yeah. worked for hitters. And, you know, look, I think we can all see that, that, you know, a pitcher gets to be in control of that first pitch. It's easy to hold them accountable. Hey, you didn't throw a strike. You threw a ball on the first pitch of the at-bat or on a 1-1 count or whatever, whereas a batter doesn't have the same, you know, level of control over what the pitcher is throwing him. But is that enough to sort of lead to this kind of issue that they have? Well, but, but Mike, isn't this just a matter of what players they're going out and getting like isn't, isn't that what it is they, they do not have an offense that is filled with players who control the zone they have an offense that's filled with players who strike out and that that's been the case for them since the beginning of the season but i think they you would tell you Jeff, Jeff, hold on let me take a little issue with that because i think what they would say is striking out is not the opposite of controlling the zone the controlling the zone is about those specific pitches, what you do with 1-1 pitches, what you do with the first pitch of an at-bat. Do you do damage yeah. on balls that are in the strike zone, and do you lay off pitches that you can't do anything with? That's going to actually lead to strikeouts. I think they know that, that strikeouts will happen as long as they come with walks and the power and the damage that goes with them. Yes. Well, they have... Approximately three guys who will take a walk, and one of them wasn't with the team when he started the season. Like JP Crawford is really good; like he controls the zone. Um, Jared Kelnick, for all of his strikeouts, um, I think he he knows how to take a walk, and he will control the zone. He swings and misses too much at um, at breaking balls. Right? That that's always been his issue it still is but he can control his own and jose caballero may be the best on the team right now out of it. um but beyond that like ty france i guess but he doesn't walk um hey oscar hernandez no julio rodriguez no i, I mean mike ford i know mike ford's like a like i think they would they would put they would put eugenio suarez in that category i think 
uh, for striking out a lot or for controlling his own? Well, a guy who has who does strike out a lot, hits for power, and walks a fair amount. Yeah, what was the number yeah, that Jerry 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 pointed to a very specific stat with us last week? It was like isolation, ISO, isolation, something ISO, like that. Yeah, that, that when you Isol- get to isolated that isolated power, he didn't isolated, say that. No, but it was getting basically to a two-one count pass, and that, that you know because there's been, as you can imagine, a lot of conversation and debate about this control of the zone. Is it the personnel? Is it the theology? Is it the belief? It can you even execute it today. Blah 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 blah. And he said, "Hold on a second. It comes down to if you really want to boil it down to just kind of isolating and." And I think it was a fan graph stat, and basically the difference between a 1-2 and a 2-1. Not walks. To them, walks is not part of the equation. To them, it is the damage that you do in those situations that you get favorable counts. So I, that does not sound as simple as control the zone, but that is really the, the thesis behind their, their attack and their thought process in the box. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's very interesting. I, I looked uh, – I don't even remember what I was doing this, but it was a couple of weeks ago and I was looking at the difference between counts. And I think the biggest delta is actually off of a 2-1 pitch. Um, if you go 3-1 versus 2-2, mm. um, to me, the, the whole idea of working into counts is really fascinating. And uh, I understand why the Mariners are emphasizing the way they are because it, it, it just that's how it plays out like this is one of those things where you can and should trust the numbers but uh, i also think that a huge part of getting into the right counts is having guys who have that discipline and i don't know that the mariners have them right now and i i think that producing them from the minor league system is going to be a vital part of maintaining what they had last year, which I think, by the way, they can do. I, I, I do think ultimately they're, they're going to be able to go out and be more like the team last year than they are the team this year. And I, and I do not, I, you know, John Rose is my boy. Uh, I, uh, he's been doing this a long time. I, I very much respect him. I disagree with him uh, that they need wholesale changes or that they may need to do something big in the opposite direction rather than trying to build here. I still think they're close. Um, I just think that what they have right now isn't enough. Yeah, I think I texted you and interrupted you at Poi Poo Point when you were down there <laughs> trying to lather on your 150 SPF sunscreen. I think I bothered you with yes. something that Jerry said to us last Thursday, and that was that they're, to your point, that this roster is still in a place where it's the envy of many in the league, that if you were to say to the other 29 teams, would you rather be in our situation with our young core and our system and what we have roster construction-wise, they're still very much the envy. You did a little homework on that. How many teams did you come away with that you would say, yep, very clearly this amount of, of teams would love to trade places with these Mariners? It, it wasn't a lot. Uh, I mean, it was a, a handful. And and that is because pitching is so hard to come by. And when you're the Seattle Mariners and you have Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, uh, Bryce Miller, and, and I think we've, you know, you've seen it in the, in the strikeouts, um, uh, over the first two appearances from Brian Wu, and you've seen it in the stuff. Um, like, those are five 
potentially legitimately excellent big league starters. And they're just nobody else in the big leagues has that. I mean, plus Robbie Ray when he comes back next year. Right. I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't mean to leave out Robbie Ray and we're, we're not even talking about, uh, you know, Marco Gonzalez, who I know has, you know, there's, there's been some struggles there, but he's been a guy who for a long time has been at very least an effective big league starter. So, uh, it's it, that front line, top end starting pitching that's extremely difficult to get. That I think puts the Mariners in that spot, and also having a guy in Julio who we know can be a star, and and having a guy like Kelnick who's turning things on. But if you're, I, I will say this: if you're building a team long term, you want more offense than the Mariners have right now. Um, like this. You know, it's the reason that they're not up there with so, uh, Atlanta or with Tampa or with some of these other teams that you would take over the Mariners roster. Um, the lack of offense comparatively is alarming. It's just that they have the one thing uh, that everybody wants, which is power starting pitching. Can you help me understand something along those lines? Uh, and this is I don't think you're going to get mad at the, the odds makers and the number counters being counters. Help me understand, um, Bryce Miller is second in baseball with a whip of 0.92. He doesn't qualify quite yet because of innings, even though he's got eight starts. Luis is seventh at 0.99. Gilbert is 10th at 1.03. Kirby's 24th at 1.11. Those four guys in the top 24 in all of baseball in whip. And yet Luis is tops in wins above replacement at 25th. Why don't those two things? Try? I don't understand. I, I would think that walks and hits per innings pitched that like that's your number. That's what you put out there. And yet, when it comes to that WAR number that wins above replacement, Luis is twenty fifth. Why? Why such a disparity in wins, those numbers? Wins above replacement is uh, if you're going with fan graphs is based on fielding independent pitching. Fielding independent pitching does not count hits allowed at all. It is a strictly true outcomes-based metric where you take strikeout rate, walk rate, and home run rate. And when you look at the home run rate of the four pitchers about whom you were talking, they're all around one home run per nine innings, which is not bad, but not toward the lower end. That tends to bring down fit. So uh, fan graphs wins above replacement for pitchers sucks. Don't use it. Thank you. I appreciate that. So that's really all you You're needed welcome. to say. I, I think now oh, okay. we, now we well, all understand. Well, along those lines, I'm going to fit a really quick personal time with passing in. And by, and I, by and, the way, may I just I, – I need to come in here. I love fan graphs. I love everything about it. The, truly, like, but now there are two things I don't like. I still think defensive war sucks. But okay. uh, they're, they're fit-based they're fit war for pitchers. Um, I, I prefer a uh, runs-allowed-based war that – uh, baseball reference. Either. Okay, let's get personal real quick. Let's get personal, not physical. Let's get personal. <laughs> you like that? Fantastic. It is terrible. <laughs> so terrible. Good. That's you, baby. That is so good. This uh, creature in Cincinnati is like uh, unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, he runs like Usain Bolt to first base. He outrun a grounder to first base yesterday. So I texted you last night, Pass, and I said, hey, has there been a player or two or just pure talent that you have witnessed that has actually blinded you with 
uh, their talent has blinded you with a bias that when you saw him, boy, this boy, I am just shouldn't be as biased as I am, but this is just blinding me with bias. I promise you this is not home cooking. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. is the first answer. And and it's Ken Griffey Jr. because uh, I was a child and grew up watching him. And the swing was the most, it's the most perfect, magnificent, beautiful, aesthetically pleasing thing that I had ever seen. To the point where when I met Ken Griffey Jr., it was very Chris Farley show. Like, and the fact that I've gotten to know him a little bit and like, don't get nervous when I talk to him now, but still kind of get a little bit nervous. <laughs> like, it's, 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 it's one of those things where I just, uh, I, I'm still awed by what Junior did. But the, the answer now is Otani. I appreciate now, I think in my 40s, remarkable things more than I did when I was younger mm-hmm. because. I understand the the difficulty that it takes to achieve them. And what Shohei Otani does every day, um, we don't appreciate enough. We we can talk about it as much as we want, but we will never be able to appreciate it enough because it's so unique. Mariners have any shot? Well, I was going to say, is he even going to leave Anaheim? I know that was sort of the way everyone was leaning, but to start the year, they're better. Is he happier? Is there a chance he stays? They're better. Are they good? I didn't say that, but they are better. Yeah, they are better. I, I will say this: Zach, Zach Nato is really good. Um, like that, the, they nailed that first round pick and promoted him aggressively, yeah. and they promoted Ben Joyce aggressively. They they are doing everything they can to convince him that they're here to win. Um, but man, when you go up to five and see what the Los Angeles Dodgers do every year. <laughs> I mean, it's hard if, if like if the LA lifestyle is is something you enjoy and appreciate, it's hard to to see the Angels being a better fit than the Dodgers. But then again, I think I think Shohei Otani is someone who's very loyal and and he appreciates comfort. And man, it, to to leave to leave that behind, uh, whether it is the Dodgers, the Mets, the Mariners, the Giants, you know, the the Yankees, the handful of teams that could be in the Otani sweepstakes, um, they're going to have to do a really good sales job, I think, because extracting him from that place where he's comfortable and where they give him everything he wants is a tough thing to do. Hey, uh, last thing here, Jeff Passon. Uh, appreciate the time, as always, every single Tuesday with us. I've had this thought reverberate into my skull for 20 minutes. Just curious, as you've said that, here's my swing thought. And it may be totally dumb, and there may be no meat on the bone. But the best offenses in the league right now are Texas, Tampa. I mean, the Yankees we saw coming in here. Who, who, who would Atlanta? I am curious if you did a dive on those best offenses in the game, how many of them and their personnel – have individual swing coaches. Yeah, I'm yeah. just kind of curious. Or, or if it is a, I, I hey, think that almost swing every coach, player in baseball has their own swing coach. That yeah, swing coach question, does. His, the, the, the question, Mike, yeah. is how many of the players use their swing coach in season? Right. Exactly. 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 I think the answer is uh, pretty high. Them, how many of them lean more into their individual swing coach versus their 
their uniform they put on and that hitting coach and that philosophy in that team. Just a little, just a little say, thought, I, and it may be nothing. Yeah, I'd say I'd say the answer is most, and and I think that's the case across baseball. Uh, it's just okay. you know it's it's become a sport where everything can be so individualized now, like not just not just the getting your swing to be where it needs to be, but all of the information. Like you can get, I, I know guys who get individualized reports sent to them by their swing coach because the, the major league hitting coach just doesn't have the bandwidth to do that for, you know, 13 gotcha. guys. Um, gotcha. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, what, what was your premise here that those teams have guys who focus more with their coaches or less with their coaches? Yeah, that those teams just understand and buy into the philosophy that of a, that team. Yeah. That gotcha. it's a team, that it I, is a that team versus just the independent contractor of I'm going to do it my way for my results. Yeah, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I think you can buy into a team philosophy while tailoring it through your own personal coach. Gotcha. Gotcha. Jeff, okay, we'll, we'll uh, maybe explore this in greater detail next week. It's good to have you back from vacation. We're glad that uh, you threw so on good. enough sunscreen to avoid uh, you know, illness or anything, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. God, my voice is so bad. It really is bad. Oh. I totally agree with that. It's as bad as it gets. There goes Jeff Passan. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to have Jeff every Tuesday at 8.30 and Wednesdays, of course, at 6.30 as well. Brock will be in next. Hopefully. We'll see. I mean, he stormed out yesterday. We'll see what kind of relationship we have moving forward. It's coming up on Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com.